How did we get here, TZ? What happened? How did we get here? Well, I DM'd Alexis. Exactly. If you want to own the NFT landscape, should we start a podcast together? I was thinking about starting one. That's practical. And that's really how we got here. I'm Tiffany. I'm the founder and CEO of Islands, a soon-to-be-announced company building in the intersection of community, culture, and crypto. This is kind of groundbreaking because people listening to this podcast are about to find out not only that you founded this amazing company, but that we backed it at 776. I'm Alexis Ohanian, the founder and uh, former executive chairman of Reddit and current managing partner of 776 and very happy, uh, proud actually, uh, and happy seed investor in Islands. That's cool. Look at that. This is not, I feel like, a normal investor founder thing, but we're in totally new territory. This is a whole new internet. Whole new internet. Whole new Web3 world. And we're here to help guide you through that. So probably nothing is always something when it comes to NFTs. Alexis and I have joined forces to create the One Stop Podcast for NFT news, deep dives, and interviews. Expect many interviews with up-and-coming industry leaders from the biggest NFT project creators to community leaders to guild founders and many more. You'll always learn something interesting and probably be entertained from listening to our podcast. If you want to get into the NFT world and not get left behind, this podcast is for you. But yes, this will be a mix of entertainment and education. At least that's our goal here. So, Alexis, what are NFTs and why are you so excited about them? <sighs> NFTs, that's just short for non-fungible token. Gosh, you know, the best way to describe it. So it's a digital asset where the ownership is tracked on a blockchain. Ethereum, the most popular flavor right now for that. The assets themselves can be anything. Yeah, they could be any kind of digital goods, like things that'll exist in virtual worlds, to claims, you can almost think of them as like deeds on physical assets. And in coming years, NFTs, the technology, are going to evolve in ways that I can't even predict. Now, like That's part of the fun of building and investing in this space, is that we're talking about the infrastructure for a new internet. That's really what Web3 is. And it's an internet where you basically have money or value and, and ownership tied into the digital world in a way that takes advantage of all the benefits of the digital world. That is like infinite scale and distribution and virality, but still maintains a few of the benefits from the analog world, like being able to have scarcity and being able to prove verifiably that this is yours and I'm now giving it to you. And it's wild. We've seen, I mean, profile picks. PFPs are probably the trend that most of you have encountered right now, but it's just the start. And, and it, is not, it, is, it is not as simple as just right-clicking and saving the JPEG in order to steal the asset. It is actually a way to, frankly, spread the value. In response to that, I usually tell folks, you know, for every single Mona Lisa that has been printed on a poster or a t-shirt or a coffee mug that has only made the actual verifiable one-of-one one Mona Lisa more valuable. And so when someone wants to right click and save my crypto punk of Serena, 
I say go for it. Please do. <laughs> Please put that everywhere you can because it will just make the verifiable original more valuable. So this PFP NFT phenomenon, let's break that down mm -hmm. for people who don't understand what that is yet, but are seeing people, celebrities, tech entrepreneurs, all sorts of people, artists, changing their profile picture to something that they don't know. It's uh, usually an animal. Mm -hmm. I think you recently changed your profile picture to an ape. My yes, profile picture is a cat. <laughs> so, a cool cat at that. Exactly. So why, how did Twitter become a zoo of animal profile <laughs> pictures? Uh, it's interesting. Twitter has lived many lives. And this is a company that in a lot of ways, I wouldn't say it was resurrected, but has been reinvented now in the last year and a half as, look, on the one hand, NFTs tap into the most basic NFT here, where we're talking like here is a sort of scarce image that has a verifiable owner. You know, again, that's like me owning a copy of, oh, not a copy, owning the Mona Lisa. I would put that on my wall in my house to show off to people to be like, look at this cool flex. In the digital age, these PFPs are a way to express that same flex. And Twitter has ended up being the primary place where this public flexing happens. And it, it's, I think, a byproduct of it always being a kind of hotbed for tech and, and creators and, and entrepreneurs. You know, we all now know the profile pick. Again, in 2005, starting Reddit, no one was thinking about a profile pic, right? Facebook still existed in colleges. There was no Twitter. So if you were thinking about putting a photo of yourself on the internet, you were thinking kind of like MySpace or Facebook, where it's a photo of yourself. In fact, you know what? No, I know for a fact I, I uploaded the Reddit. I uploaded Snoo as a person, quote unquote, on Facebook, and the account was banned after it reached a few hundred thousand uh, friends, maybe not a few others, so some material number, I guess there's a few thousand back then, some material number of fans or friends. Yeah. It was banned because it was an impersonation of a non-real person or it was a non-real entity. And Facebook needed to have real people on the platform. And that, that was a, you know, part of the ethos of Facebook. But, you know, in the last 15 years, we've seen more and more platforms and more and more people get comfortable with the idea of an avatar. And look, mascots are cute. I'm a big fan of mascots. That's why I created the Reddit one. That's why I've kind of created them for every company I've done. And I just think there's something about the whimsical nature of being able to change your profile photo to some creature that then signals a sense of identity to a tribe, whether it's the bored apes or cool cats, that it creates the same sense of community that like a platform such as Reddit has, but it's doing it across very different boundaries. It's being able to wear... It's like wearing a particular art article of clothing walking down the street, ah, sports jersey, right? If I see someone wearing an Angel City jersey and I'm wearing an Angel City jersey, we can give each other a knowing nod or we'll be like, hey, what's up, Angel City? Because we yeah. recognize we're in the same tribe. We've both opted into that tribe. Anybody could join that tribe as long as you could get an Angel City jersey and be a part of it. And as a species, we humans love this. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel seen. And... What you're seeing with PFPs is the, the digital version of that. And it's a V1, but the fact that it has become as big of a status symbol as quickly as it has is a very good indication of something very special here. So whatever, consider in the past how much a brand like Board Ape Yacht Club 
which started in April, March, May, it's only a few months old. If the Board Ape Yacht Club had started a t-shirt brand, like in the vein of a Supreme or something else, and they were four months old, maybe, maybe they would have been able to beg, borrow, and steal their way into getting Steph Curry to wear that shirt into a game. You know, the walk-on where they all take photos and where they, maybe, uh, who knows what it would have cost. You would have had to ask a few different people to get that favor and it would have been a tiny blip, right? But today, Steph Curry is paying for the chance to associate with that community, right? He's essentially paying for the t-shirt and is not wearing it walking into the game. He's wearing it on his profile photo for everyone to see. And part of the reason he's doing that is because he knows the value of the ape that he's wearing is something that accrues to him the more people who see value in it and want to be a part of it because supply and demand finally locks in and he can be rewarded just like anyone listening to this for being an early holder or early member of that community because there is just a scarce number, what, 10,000 I think of that one yep. that exists and there will never be more. And so then what does it take to get everyone to forget that the board apes matter? Like, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's very, very hard to imagine a scenario where the cultural value of that goes immediately to zero. It would be such an outlier event because look at the nature of brands. I mean, there are brands we're still shocked exist and have people who want to buy their product, but they still do because there's just enough people out there to, who haven't forgotten. What you're seeing looks so weird and it has these giant price tags on it, but people are buying into being part of a community and it's a special it's a special feeling because it's not like Reddit in 05 where we had to convince people that they'd want to participate for internet points that were worthless and <laughs> leaderboards that I devised to help encourage people to post. But for the community of like, like-minded people who all wanted to talk about programming in this subreddit or gaming in this subreddit, but they got no value from it at the end of the day. I mean, they got entertainment value and they have some flex because they have a little icon on their profile that says how long they've been a Redditor. But now, just with a simple JPEG at the end of the day, you have something that accrues value like stock in a company because there's a finite supply and the people who want it are ever increasing. And that dynamic never existed before. And so when I see what's happening in Web3, all I think about is early days of Reddit when it was working and you know has now become one of the largest websites on the internet, but without any of the actual financial upside going to the people who did the work. And that is meaningful because that pays off student loan debt, that pays the bills, that buys cars and homes. Like that's, when you unlock the dollar value of that and properly assess it or more properly assess it or more properly value it, it will motivate amazing things. And we're just starting to see what it does. Play to earn is a whole, we'll do a whole nother episode on play to earn games, but like it's, it's exciting. I mean the equity- I got ranty. The equity in these communities you can actually get liquidity off of them, right? Like in the past, you couldn't. You couldn't no. actually monetize your fandom. If you're a super fan of Beyonce or BTS, you can't monetize that. You can only say and shout at the top of your lungs that you are an early listener or an early fan. Yes. And like maybe you could pull up receipts of like you yeah. liking the Facebook Maybe page in like stubs. 2010. Yeah. And that's about it, right? That's worthless. Hmm. It only goes into <laughs> playing into like some small amount of clout, but not really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what these PFP projects, I think ultimately it boils down to two major things, social status mm 
-hmm. in Tribe. Like mm -hmm. making an NFT project, your profile picture shows that you are, you are an owner, but you're also able to meet other owners as a result because that is your profile picture. So that's how you are able to find your tribe on Twitter or on social media. And then on the social status front, as these communities start growing, you show that, hey, like I'm actually an OG member. But mm -hmm. going back to the board apes, right? Magdalena Kala had a great tweet, which was like, imagine a five-month-old startup with 690 million in lifetime sales, GMV, mm. 100 million in revenue, and like 80 million in the, in the past 24 hours when they dropped the serums and the mm. mutant apes. 80 million in one day. That is unheard of in any early stage company. Yeah. Or maybe even some growth stage companies, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Especially when you consider how high leverage it was because the team, the board of team is not that big, right? It's probably five, six people. You know, when you're, you're talking about, they have the advantage of time or timing rather and being early in this and being, you know, among the, the sort of pioneers of it. You see this all the time where some of the first baseball cards, right, are not, they're not even of the best players, like the Honus Wagner card. Like Honus was a good baseball player, but it wasn't like, he's not like Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth. But because that card is an iconic, sort of considered one of the first, it has a value that always exists. Same thing, I think, with CryptoPunks. You saw that first sort of wave there because of the artwork they produced. I think Bored Apes represent that first of a real sort of community mindset, like, hey, let's create a space, let's think of a roadmap, let's build a tribe very explicitly with what we're doing and be thoughtful and I mean, attention detail on the art side, like lots of stuff that all came together in a perfect storm. And yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a startup. A VC like myself would be happy, grateful, like we'd be thrilled to be an early investor in that startup. And what's different here is that there weren't VCs. I mean, I- They don't need them. They don't, they don't need, need VCs. Them. Yeah. And, and that's, that's special. It's a profitable consumer startup that gets 2.5% royalty on every sale. That's ongoing. That's better than SaaS. That's better than any other business model out yeah. there right now. And so yeah. the difference between how Board Ape approached it versus how a lot of other early NFT projects or even celebrities approached it is the money that they earned from selling out the apes and from royalties, they're putting that back into the community, right? Like we're seeing celebrities, they're selling NFT projects. They're not investing back into the community with that money. That wasn't something mm -hmm. that people really thought of. It was just as, hey, like I'm getting profit off of this as opposed to seeing it as treasury. Like this is the company treasury in which we as a community decide how we're going to be spending this money and we actually get a say in whether this money goes towards a real yacht club, a yacht party, uh, physical merch, right? Like the community gets to kind of help decide how that hundreds of million dollars are going to be spent at the Board Ape Yacht Club. We talked about this uh, maybe circa 2015, 2014 Reddit as a way, it was, it was actually because the uh, college football subreddit wanted to name a bowl and they were using third party r slash cfb if i remember correctly they were using like third party tools to try to crowdfund but it was the kind of thing where we're like okay this is the biggest college football community on the internet 
if they could just pool their money together and agree on sort of different goals and all this stuff, this could get done overnight. You could easily have uh, r/cfb sponsored bowl game. It'd be a top tier one. Everyone would love it. And they'd do it just for the lulls, but it would be fun. The problem come back to coordination and centralization, where you know what has been unlocked now in Web three is that I mean you could still run these things very top down and just be a sort of dictator with your your project or. We have technologies that exist that are actually going to enable things like voting. We're seeing the proliferation of DAOs and, and finding ways to actually organize disparate groups of people to make decisions. And I'm excited because again, this is all new territory. We, these ideas have floated around on the internet for a very long time, well before Reddit too, but now it is unlocked. And that's part of the reason I'm so bullish on the space overall. It's because we're just like, we're, we're getting to revisit ideas that are even more effective now because of this new technology. Yeah, I just love it. That's a great story and a really interesting example of the difference between Web 2 and Web 3, right? Like the things that you can do with coordination and people in Web 3 versus in Web 2. And so... Oh, yeah. And I mean, yeah. the incentives are totally different. Like Incentives and, are aligned here. Is, That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Incentives are aligned. That's... And that for me is like, it's a big deal. Like the fact that it all worked before with Web 2 is why you should be so excited about Web 3. Because Web 2 worked in spite of broken incentives. And again, this is why I wake up every morning as excited, more excited than I've ever been in 16 years in tech. Because I'm seeing all the same patterns I saw building Reddit, except everyone is aligned and and more importantly the folks doing the heaviest lifting of content creation and curation and community building are the most rewarded people are rewarded sort of in proportion to what they're doing and human nature has always had this dynamic you talked about the hipsters who always tell people like i was a fan of bts before they got big this solves the hipster problem. Like as the a OG problem, as an early, OG fan OG supporter. Problem. Yes, I know it's called the hipster problem. My, my hipster friends are the ones who are the most loud about this, but you're right. It's the, essentially it's, it's the right, having the receipts and having that value. And what's so cool is I remember having this conversation with Jack. So I was a seed investor in Patreon. And I remember having this conversation with him in like 2014, where I believed even then, that's why I led that round was because it was obvious that recurring revenue was important to creators. Patreon could be the platform to do it. And because you had this infrastructure that had real receipts, like literal receipts, people could then easily check the receipts and have proof like Issa Rae. I have, I have the receipts for however early it was that I started supporting Issa Rae on Patreon. And yep. now that she's a huge superstar, there's value to that. But it only lives in the Patreon universe, at least for now. And, and so then when I, again, I'm, I'm just watching, this is just pattern recognition. I'm seeing everything that gets built with Web3. And to your point, when you can reward the OGs and what gets exciting, we'll be able to not just reward the OGs, we'll be able to properly reward the early sort of curators or viral makers. So like, think of how the culture has always spread. It's the meme yes. creators. Yep. That is a tremendous value. And if you think... Almost all culture, whether it was like a painting on a cave all the way to the Mona Lisa or hip hop or whatever, it's all created from the bottom up. 
at the end of the day, like it's a bunch of people who decide a thing is special. And the reason I bring up the Mona Lisa is because I'm pretty well known at this point for ranting about how no one cared about that painting. It sat in the Louvre, ignored for hundreds of years until it got stolen in like 1912. And then a bunch of Parisians were like, oh my goodness, the Mona Lisa was stolen in the cafes. They didn't have Twitter, so they were just talking about it in cafes. And that made it a meme in Paris, which then when it was returned, made people actually care about the Mona Lisa, right? We live today all assuming that like the Mona Lisa has always been one of the most important paintings in Western culture. Not the case, not true at all. It only mattered when it became a meme. And so what about that kid in the Bronx who heard hip hop for the first time or heard a rap song for the first time and told his 50 friends about it? And because that kid is always on to the new stuff, those 50 friends tuned in and the mind virus spread and the culture was created, right? That kid, forget the original artist who also never got paid. The, the kid who was the meme maker in the analog world never got anything for it, yet was incredibly value, valuable yep. for creating that culture. Now we have the receipts, now we have the accountability and that's where it gets so exciting because people should be able to make a living creating the meme around culture. And, and we know it's valuable. We know it's valuable. And it seems silly, but it is so incredibly valuable. And people deserve to make the money from that. In the meantime, right, we, you know, there are kids who flip sneakers on StockX or eBay. There are kids who flip trading cards on Alt, shout out, portfolio company. Like, they, they found ways, they, and I'm, I'm saying kids because they do tend to be younger, but like, people have found ways to hack the system to finally get some value for having a cultural spidey sense. But those are all hacks and they're good hacks. Some of them become very lucrative businesses, but Web3 fixes this and it doesn't need to be a hack anymore. It's a feature, it's, it's integral to the system working. NFTs are tokenized memes and we're just living we in go. a meme economy. A couple of years ago, we had an annual meeting and I told everyone, every business has to be a meme. And it's like three years ago, but I was talking about it in the context of, we need to help founders tell their stories and create the story. So like with Papa, this is like three years ago and it was grandkids on demand. And so the meme was elder tech is important, right? 10,000 boomers retiring every day. There's not enough people to help support that. You need technology to fix it. Enter Papa, right? Create the meme. Elder tech is the meme. That's, and I, it feels silly now talking about it because what I should have been paying attention to is the abstraction of that that crypto was providing, although people weren't really paying attention to things like CryptoPunks or NFTs back then, they existed. I remember OpenSea at YC Demo Day being like a really tough pitch because it was in the middle of the crypto winter. And, and I should have been hearing myself realizing that creating the meme for every business in sort of social media and storytelling was just the least interesting part of it. The real part is what you're talking about, the fact that now there's actual technology to back it up and I mean, let people pay their bills with it. I mean, the cryptodes example, where they feature a CCO, they're one of the earliest projects that have Creative Commons license, which lets people use the project for commercial purposes in Remix. What that means is anyone can make a meme, a project, and experiment on top of the toads and monetize it. They've allowed people to do that. You can't do that right now with many of the other projects. And this matters because anything can make the toads go viral, 
right? Like you're literally letting consumers be able to do whatever they want with the toads. An example of it is the socks now, where you can get a sock if you own a toad. One sock, one toad. And the sock style is very, very interesting because it's almost reminiscent of like Uniswap and Unisock days. Yeah, yeah, back oh, yeah. in the day, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Now it's like game theory of like, do you want to redeem it into a sock, a physical sock, or are you going to just hold the NFT and let it accrue value? Like, are you actually going to swap it for for a real sock? It's like. My friend was talking to his fiance about this. His fiance was like, no, this is super cute. Get the sock. And he was like, no, 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 no. no. I have to keep the NFT. I have to keep the NFT of the socks. I'm not, I'm not swapping this out for the real socks because she was I, I like, this is cute, right? She was like, I, I want this in real life. <laughs> I could wear the, it. The absurdity of this is, is amazing, but it's, it's very real. And what's the floor now on a crypto? How many ETH is it? Dude, there's a there's a crypto that sold for 300 ETH two days Good ago. Lord. That's one million dollars. Bought for one and a half ETH, which is five thousand dollars. There was also a Cool Cats that sold for 320 ETH too. So the original cryptos, who's who's behind Crypto's project? Gre Gremlin. 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 Who's Gremplin. also what's Gremlin's story? We need to get him on the pod. Uh, I was talking to Noah Davis about getting him and. Grimplin on the pod because I okay. would love to go into details on how he thought about the toads and nouns because he's part of creators oh, of nice. both the nouns and the toads, right? And both projects are doing groundbreaking work, like really innovating on what it means to hold an NFT, having really interesting game theory, having it tied to different forms of like remixing experiments but also DAOs, the nouns DAO, which is launched around three months ago they have 31 million in treasury already and they do one it drop great, one a day one auction a day forever yeah. it's generative it's <laughs> tech they use technology so that this will last forever even after the nouns DAO creators are no longer here Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's so crazy to think about. And that's if it's wild. 31 yeah. million in just three months, where these auction, daily auctions are now going for crazy prices, imagine where nouns will be in a year. And people are already submitting interesting proposals. People in the community are submitting interesting proposals to take some money out of the treasury and build a mobile app or build an Apple TV app mm. or an Apple Watch app, right? Like, people are really investing into the community and it's a very, very live and thriving community wild <laughs> we will dive well, deeper into these projects throughout the podcast we're gonna have them as guests um and it'll be a lot of fun to dive into all of these different implications but also use cases right like the thing is there are so many uncovered use cases that we will start seeing unravel but options are endless and that's why this is so fun. It's like a game that mm. never ends. You can continue adding yeah. more things, more characters, more levels. Like you are the creator of the game. Yeah. And, and I feel like the boomer here. Just to be clear, you did this podcast with me because I'm the boomer, right? <laughs> the zoomer and the boomer? Is this, is this what, yeah. what it is? Yeah. No, I get it. I'm the old one. I mean, I, I do feel 
I feel very comfortable in this world of, I mean, we wake up every morning and have to relearn. I'll tell my wife this, I have to wake up every morning and just learn the industry all over again because of the stuff I missed while I slept, just catching up on Twitter and Discord. And the tools will get better. They have to get better because humanity only, like there's, there's only going to be more interesting stuff being done and our brains and 24 hours of the day are, are limited. So we need, we're going to need better curation tools, working on investing in a few of those. But Working I'm, on building them. I, I mean, that, like that has so to exist. On. I just don't know what uh, I. I'm not. There's this a lot is, to build in a, this space. This There's is a, a young lot. person's game. I mean, I love spending time with my wife and daughter, but I definitely realize like my prime when I wasn't married with a kid was such a great time to be able to just build all the time and think about building all the time. And you know, obviously, Reddit came out of that, and I'm proud of that. But what is going to get built right now by the folks who can truly immerse themselves in this is it's going to build a whole new internet. And yeah, I, I, I love it. I feel invigorated by it, even though I have all these gray hairs now and I'm just happy to be happy to be back in you, uh, Tiffany and, and all the, all the folks at islands to go build this thing. Olympia is going to be a guild founder by like age 10. Right. I mean, I'm waiting for her to put together a couple proposals for me. I have, <laughs> I do have her ENS name. Uh, I need to set up a wallet for her. I actually, that there's a version of this that lets you <laughs> sort of grant like, okay, there's a version. Of this is actually really charming and sweet, which lets you sort of invest like the modern version of a savings trust bond. Fund. Like when I was born. Yeah. yeah. Well, like the, like I didn't quite, I don't have a trust fund, but my great aunt got me a, <laughs> I think it was a savings bond as a kid. And it was one of these things where like, you have to wait 18 years, but you know, the amount of interest that would accrue, it became like a nice little chunk of money. Right. That was the thing that when a baby was born in 1983, you did apparently, or at least my great aunt did The there is going to have to be a web three equivalent of that. And I just love the idea of like, congratulations on your newborn. Here's the, you know, cool cat that I got her. I hope she likes it. And it's, it's absurd, but the portfolios of your generation and then certainly Olympia's generation are going to look very different. It's not going to be like 60, 40 stocks and bonds. It's going to be like 2% cool cats and 3% Unisoc and, you know, 10% GameStop. And I mean, it's going to be weird. And there's going to be a Serena Williams index for her collectibles. There's going to be all these different assets that we value. And, and by we, the, the value of culture is going to finally ascend in a way that we've never been able to quantify before. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to make some, it, it's definitely going to confuse a lot of boomers in the next 10 years, myself, myself included at times. After you started tweeting about how you were making NFT choices based on the things that Olympia was pointing at. I started yeah. getting DMs from parents being like, how should I think about building the NFT portfolio for my kids? No. For like babies. It's amazing. <laughs> so I believe it. I just so, had her pick all of my cool cats. So, so cute. she picked out the ones that looked like me. So we'll so see cute. how that strategy does. <laughs> It'll do better than your average, I'm sure. I mean, she's Has, got good taste. She's got yeah. good taste. That's what's wild. I don't even, how do you even value, is there some tool that I don't know about to properly value your uh, NFT collection? Zapper, Aside from just looking at like the floors. 
Yeah, zapper.fi is probably the best bet to see what your portfolio value is worth right now. Um, But I do think they assess based on floors instead of by traits. Oh, yeah. Which is super intricate, right? Like you have to plug into rarity tools or like the contract itself to know how much this is worth. Or just look at the floor on OpenSea, right? Um, It's worth it. A couple different ways of looking at it, but yeah. Go to Zapify. Go check it out. Might be fun. I not actually just signed up. Advice. Yeah, not investment advice. So I just looked at my portfolio last week. Um, oh my god! Off of it, it's really fun. Also, it's really really fun to go look at other people's portfolios and what they're worth. That's way more fun than looking at yourselves. That's so wild, man. I mean, but like, this is going to be something really really remarkable and this podcast and and i'm hyped to be able to do this with you because i know like i said i i still feel like i'm swimming in the deep end because i have like i cannot devote 100 percent of my brain space to this and so there are things i'm going to be learning as well as complaining about because i'm the resident boomer uh so this will be this geriatric millennial you're a geriatric millennial you're not quite a boomer i know but you self-classify as such so i do and so does Lulu. You know, so <laughs> Lulu knows. Lulu, Lulu used to be my intern. Now she's at Islands, and she keeps me humble. You know, Gen Xer Gary V has done a hell of a job in this space, and I think it's very interesting because he's playing 4D chess because he knows every investment he makes in V Friends is also building credibility for his bigger business working with other like working like supporting brands and helping brands navigate their digital strategy and so it's it's doubly smart because he's dog fooding all the best practices that he's going to brands with these days brilliant and uh he's brilliant very very smart so yeah his strategy around his strategy around v friends was also an impeccable execution yes yeah and especially with a demo that i'm sure like had to get educated on a lot of crypto thing. I think the typical Gary V fan six months ago or whenever it was they launched that was not like knee deep, you know, MetaMask, Rainbow Wallet, plugged in, ready to go, buying and selling all day. Like he really had to do an education and bring folks in. And and from a utility standpoint has been very smart. I love seeing that. We're in that early phase where now everyone is looking over at other great projects, taking inspiration, figuring out how to do stuff better. I mean, it's going to be a rapid iteration and the things that we think of as remarkable today in like three months and certainly in six months and nine months are going to seem boring and like milk toast. And oh man, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot to talk about every week. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is just the start. And final question. Okay. If you're stranded on an island for one year and could only take one of your NFTs with you, which one would it be? Oh, that's easy. It's the... Well, hmm. it's one of your punks. What, I was going to say it'd be one of my Serena punks, like probably the yeah. one. The one that I brought to the Met is the one that I gifted her. Yeah. I still own like five or six others that I'm just, yeah. you know, hanging on to for Olympia's uh, future college fund or whatever. <laughs> I. One of those I will be able one. to pay off her college fund and her future kids' college. Like, I mean, probably. Straight up. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. Let's yes. get wild, though. Okay. So, yes. And infrastructure will exist so that she wouldn't even need to sell it. 
Like whether it's like, you know, today a wealthy person who has a Van Gogh doesn't need to sell the Van Gogh to get liquidity. They can borrow against it and use it as yep. collateral. First Republic's not going to give me collateral for a crypto punk today. There might already be DeFi solutions. I don't know. But like there's there's going to be some version of this, whether it's fractionalizing 49% of it so other people can own it or just borrowing against it. Like So I, yeah. that's the crazy part is... We're talking about an asset that is is digital and is going to have all those same properties from the analog world, except it'll be so seamless, like it'll just happen with a couple of taps and money will appear that then she can use for for school and for her you know, for her kids school. And who knows? I mean, that's and, and so, yeah, to answer that question, I would take the Sereno Crypto Punk that I gifted her because it would make me like nostalgic for when I wasn't stuck on this island and I could actually see my life. <laughs> That's the right answer for any husband. It's very, very cute. What would yours be? Mine, mine would have to be the cool cat that I'm repping everywhere. Ah, okay. What is your PFP? Yeah. That's a tough one. You all need to build a solution for this. I don't know which PFP to, like, I threw up my board ape because a couple of board ape folks were like, yo, you in the board ape? And I'm like, of course I'm in the yacht club, man. I've been there a minute. And so I, you know, put it up. But then it's like, now I'm implicitly betraying crypto punks and cool cats and pudgy penguins. I, I need I need a better sense of identity that's not Twitter that's built for this world. Is there something? Can Islands build this for me? Maybe soon. <laughs> Maybe soon. Um, Maybe, okay. No spoilers. NFTs just got a lot more interesting, but it's probably nothing. You might be able to take out a loan against it for your future kids. Who knows? Well, we will dive into all of these use cases, examples, stories, projects, and bring on the most interesting guests. Send us who you want us to interview and have on board, uh, and we'll see you on Discord and Twitter. Bye, everybody.